I don't really know how to start shows. Come on now, don't start, don't start liking me now. So yeah, I'm funny compared to, you know, well, you'll see later. I stand for mayhem! I know a lot of fucking idiots. I think a lot of shit is mean-spirited just because it goes against what they believe. But the relief of comedy is it takes things that aren't funny and it allows us to laugh about them for an hour. We got a purple suit to buy and a gigantic coffin. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Evening, everybody. Welcome to Why Are You Laughing, a history of comedy podcast. And today, I am pleased to introduce to you Richard Lewis, who I find to be a very interesting case because he's kind of a, he's kind of got the tale of a classic comedian from his era, mm-hmm. where uh, you know I think people my age know him from Kirby Enthusiasm and not a lot else. But he's had a great long stand-up career, um, and I think would be a guy like many guys in the eighties. I think this is a case for a lot of people that came up when Richard Lewis was coming up. Um, Their careers would be so much different now because of the internet, Uh, whether it's just having social media clips or podcasts or whatever. Um, You know, those guys struggled for a long time to find an audience because there's really no way to do it. And uh, now I think it's a, it's a rare positive that has come out of the internet that uh, a lot of these, you know, more underrated guys are able to find their audience. And, uh, you know, Richard Lewis, obviously a very famous comedian, but um, I don't know uh, if he ever quite got uh, his due or he may not have felt that way anyways. So uh, we will get into it. But first I want to make sure that uh, you guys know to go to blindmike.net for goodness sake. If you want to support this show, um, there are a few ways to do it. You can do it for free by going to Apple, Spotify, Google, leaving us uh, nice reviews, five stars, all of that. Um, subscribing and doing the same on YouTube, tapping the notification bell, leaving comments. Um, you know, if you're watching right now on YouTube and you're not subscribed, subscribe because it helps the channel grow. Um, so we appreciate that. And if you want to throw a few shekels behind us, then go to the Patreon, subscribe. We do bonus episodes there every month. Um, like we did uh, after the Jerky Boys episode, we posted a prank calls episode. Um, and we'll probably do more of those because I think people are sending in more and more um, prank calls that they think should be used. So we might do a, a part two of that episode. So if you want stuff like that, like uh, the Pelican Brief like uh, Donald Glover's Weirdo, um, Opie and Jim, all kinds of stuff we've done on the Patreon, then um, make sure you subscribe and you also get these episodes a week early. All right? Um, Oh, and another reason to subscribe is that uh, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, I know I just said subscribe and support the YouTube, but also um, they make us take a lot of videos out, so you get the full video on YouTube as well. All right, enough of that. Um, Full video on Patreon. What's that? Full video on Patreon. Yes. Yeah. Go to the Patreon, folks. Blindmike.net. Uh, so Richard Lewis, like I said, um, be- Curb helped his career a lot, I think. Because without that, I don't know that his, his name would be as recognizable, even though I think he was a big deal at one time. Um, but I feel like he never quite found the avenue of success he was looking for outside of cur outside of um uh stand up but in curb you really get to know his voice and and who he is and he's a guy who's toured all the way up until um a few years ago and one of the reasons I wanted to do this episode and uh, pay tribute to the great Richard Lewis is because 
Um, he actually just put out a video uh, a couple weeks ago, or a few weeks ago at this point, um, announcing that he has Parkinson's disease. Uh, he seemed in fine spirits about it. He seemed like he was dealing with it okay. Um, and he, he looked in, you know, I wouldn't say uh, good health necessarily, but he is an older man. He seemed well, uh, but I thought it was kind of a sad story. So I wanted to make sure we paid tribute to the man. Um, so let's, uh, let's start, let's start right at his, uh, right at his childhood, because, um, that is probably where he developed a lot of his, uh, trademark neuroses. Do st- where did you come from? My mother's vagina. How was that for you? Horrible. Yeah. You never got over it, did you? Well, she wanted to push me back in <laughs> still. <laughs> She's dead. <laughs> They're all dead. But I mean, uh, they didn't, I was a mistake child. Me too. Jesus yeah, I'm Christ. Not gonna, I'm not, you know, I have, I have about 8,000 billion pages in my computer of premises. So, um, I'm, you're not going to be catching me doing routines, but the truth is I really was a, a mistake, baby. There's no way they wanted me. Yeah. My parent, my siblings were much older, and my father looked like a like a Jewish, like a, looked like Michelangelo with a fucking beard. I said, yeah. "Man, what the fuck am I doing here?" And then everyone, everyone moved out. My brother moved out to you know here, uh, Allen Ginsberg, stand on a corner and do you know howl. And my he moved to San Francisco. No, I think Ginsburg was in New York. But I, uh, will you do some research before you call me the next time? Sure. <laughs> he, he, I thought he had a funny uh, rapport with Marin. Um, and by the way, it's funny because the f- first thing I saw when I saw that he had siblings uh, six and nine years older than him, I was like, oh, I wonder if he was a mistake. And then, and then uh, that was one of the first things he said on Marin is, uh, yeah, I don't think my parents uh, really wanted me. And obviously, um, a, I think that's a feeling that a lot of comedians have that turns them into comedians that in some way, either their parents weren't around or they didn't have a good relationship with them. Um, but that also obviously goes a long way into his, um, you know, maybe uh, bitterness that he has and depression. He talks a lot about mental health and um, drug use and alcohol abuse and all that kind of stuff that obviously uh, comes from childhood and his dad was working all the time and he said basically because his siblings were so much older that he was stuck with his mother and they didn't get along so he just had this feeling of uh, not being wanted and and which developed into a lot of great material obviously right it's funny too because uh, if you do watch Curb and watching these videos and everything, he's not acting very much in that show. <laughs> no, not at all. And I, you know what? I think that's why that's the perfect role for him. Yeah. Because I've seen, uh, I've, I've seen clips from some of the other sitcoms that uh, he was in things. And it's, he's, he's acting, you know, it's very clear that he's acting. Whereas in curb, it's just him. Right. You know what I mean? That's the guy you heard on Marin basically. Right. Uh, they also talked a lot about in this interview, we got a couple more clips from that WTF episode and they talk a lot about how Marin brings up that he has heard a lot throughout his career, uh, Richard Lewis comparisons. Oh, you must've been a big Richard Lewis fan, a lot of influence from Richard Lewis. And that never dawned on me until he said it and it clicked in me. I was like, wow, that is a perfect comparison. A thousand percent. <laughs> he is, he is very Richard Lewis. And if you don't know Richard Lewis's vibe at all, um, you know, obviously he has similarities to Larry David, um, but I think he's a much darker guy. Not that his act is dark. It's weird because there's a there's an element of like 
shtick and um, you know borscht belt type of uh, which, which uh, plays into his like um, coming up in stand up, but there is like a, a kind of a schmaltzy element to some of his stand up, and yet a lot of it is dealing with uh, you know depression and, and womanizing and things like that. So it is kind of interesting. But um, what's uh, what's next from this Marin interview? Getting on stage. Yeah, so this is just uh, early in his career. <laughs> and so what so what did you end up doing? I he died very soon after I graduated college and then that it was a real shocker, man. So it was uh, it catapulted me on stage cuz I was writing jokes with all these uh you know these Borschfeld guys and like who? Well, I guess the most famous was a guy named Morty Gunty. He was, uh, but there was a there was a handful of them. You you wrote uh, one liners for, uh, for for all these guys who were doing the yeah, band, yeah, the, yeah. the the, the, the Borscht Belt. So did circuit. you go up there to watch your act and everything? Fucking a! <laughs> so you sat up there at the hotels. Yeah, I wanted to see if they delivered it right. Uh huh. And did Once, they? No. <laughs> and they they gave me back everything. Ninety nine percent. They said this won't work for me, and I realized why. Because it was about me. Yeah. I said, then it, then it suddenly, it suddenly, when my father dropped dead, yeah. I realized that there was such a hole to fill in that. It was pretty horrible for everybody in the family. My mother I, and brother I, and sister and everybody else. So anyway, so the truth of the matter is going on stage did really help fill that hole. In, ter- in terms of the grief and everything else? Totally. That's exactly what I'm talking about. The first time we ever had you actually... Um, I... Uh... I think a lot of that too is uh, we talked about it with Dennis Miller where, you know, if you have a unique voice like that and you start writing for other people uh, it might not even work. Like the material might not work even if it's, it's good jokes or whatever uh, because, you know, Dennis Miller is writing for Dennis Miller or Richard Lewis is obviously writing for Richard Lewis. So if he sends it to you know whoever the hell Morty Gunty is, <laughs> it's not going to come out the same as it would uh, out of Richard Lewis's mouth. And um, it's weird. I didn't think this, I, I, or I wouldn't have guessed this um, before watching Richard Lewis's stand-up. But on stage, he reminded me a lot of uh, Robin Williams, where he's very energetic. And we'll find out maybe what played into him having such energy. But he's very energetic and physical and moving around the stage. And so he reminded me of guys like Robin Williams, Sebastian Maniscalco, which I would never have guessed uh, just from knowing him again from Curb. Yep. And uh, just so you know, Morty Gunty was an American actor and comedian well known among New York City nightclub comics in the 60s. Well, I was and able 70s. to put that together. I, I'm just not too familiar with his work. No, me either. I thought it was going to be like some dude who like never left like some town or something. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, he was the star. Like, there's, yeah. everyone always thinks those. But uh, next we have him uh, talking about addiction. Yeah. So this, um, and, and this. I knew from Curb, mm-hmm. but I thought it was more alcohol-based, which alcohol did play a, a big part um, in his addiction. But I didn't realize, uh, you know, how, how how deep his addiction went. To come back, I lived with this really great woman in the middle ages. I was a really uh, horrible drunk. And I'd come home and after embarrassing her and myself <laughs> and ruining the night. Yeah. And I would look in the mirror and I'd say, Richard, I'd pray to myself. Yeah. I go, I'm praying to myself. Yeah. <laughs> how, am I, how can I pray to me? It was yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. And um, I remember they wanted to take me to rehab, and um, they did. And so I, I walk in there with an ex-girlfriend, 
and uh, who's taking me to a rehab in Hazelden, which I bolted from, and I still had two more days. Isn't that like Minnesota or something? Yeah, it is. Yeah. To see if I could kill myself two more times. And this, and this it's always just booze or blow too. Well, crystal meth was at the end a lot of that. Oh wow, man, that's a I can't even yeah. imagine you on meth. Three days into that, did you? you I imagine that six uh, days. I was like, how would you as a, as a rabbi? So that must have been, been a lot of been a lot of notebooks then, huh? Well, you should see me trying to stay on a lot of hanging f- pictures. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, well, I, that shocked me when I heard crystal meth, but it also made the clips I saw of his stand-up make a lot more sense when he's fucking <laughs> zipping around stage and flailing his arms and everything. <laughs> that's probably why Larry didn't like him at first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's uh, that's our next clip, right? Uh, yes, I was. We we did briefly touch on this in the Larry David episode. Yeah, well. yeah. So I don't have. Uh, I just have him kind of briefly uh, giving a summary because we did talk about it in the Larry David episode, but it is a funny story. You guys go, how far back do you go? We go back to when we were 12, and uh, I had mentioned this, and I can do it in 20 seconds or less. I went to this sports camp, um, which was very famous in New York State, and uh, he was there, Larry, a gangly, despicable human being, <laughs> annoying. I hated him. You hated him in camp. hated him, hate. Hatred. But, uh, but that's why you remember him. But he hated me. But that's interesting. That is, uh, but that's what bonded you. Well, what happened was, <laughs> usually when you meet somebody at a camp, like, yeah. we, uh, we say, hey, maybe our, you know, our parents will drive us into Manhattan, we'll go to Radio City and see Ben-Hur or some shit. Mm-hmm. You know, we're 12, you know. But he was, as my mother would say, that Z on my list. Yeah. That always, always made me laugh. Because the last thing I would ever do was see this fucking guy. Yeah. He annoyed me that much. Yeah. And me, and vice versa. Yeah. <laughs> So I became a comic first, and he became, he was a real fan. He, he liked me, liked me, he right, liked me. Right. Then he became a comic, and I and I heard about him. I'm like, whoa, what a fucking brain this guy's got. Yeah. So he helped me move out of my college girlfriend's apartment. We were inseparable. Yeah. Every day I saw him. For, <laughs> I performed every day, two or three sets a night. At Catch and the Improv? Everywhere. Yeah. I would. Yeah, and uh, so they spent a lot of time together. But as the story goes, when they met each other in New York, they didn't put together that they were uh, they went to the same camp when they were kids and knew each other. And then one night they got to talking, and Richard said that he was kind of feeling buzzed, but Larry was uh, completely sober. And they start kind of putting it together. And he's like, wait, you went to this camp? Wait, you're that Larry, David? And they came to blows, which is wild to me. I don't know if that's just, you know, it's become folklore or if that really happened. Because it is, uh, it's very representative of uh, Larry and Richard's personalities (laughs) and their relationship. Yeah. Because I'm thinking back to like when I was 12 years old and I can feel being like maybe afraid of other kids or nervous around them or not liking them, like finding them annoying or something. But the feeling of hate, I can't, I can't channel that at all. No. <laughs> so for two men now in their fucking, uh, you know, 60s or 70s to be like, oh, I remember hating this motherfucker. They must have really said horrible shit to each other, like next level bad it had to be, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I wonder who the instigator was. I can't figure out who would be the alpha in that. I feel like Larry, probably. But Yeah, but then you think of Richard and you're like, well, no, nah, it could definitely be him. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to distinguish. <laughs> um, and uh, we will obviously, uh, we'll get to more of uh, Richard and Larry in their work on Curb, of course. But we got a lot to get to before we get there. Yeah, uh, this is him talking about From Hell. 
Yeah, so this I thought it was a joke when I saw this in Curb. I didn't know much of his stand-up at the time. Um, but he the the phrase from hell, the blank from hell, you know, the mother-in-law from hell or the dinner from hell, whatever. That's Richard Lewis. He's actually credited with that. Well, you know, I really did popularize that thing. Of course you did. I mean, I, it got to a point where I couldn't say it anymore. So they would. I, I felt them. I, it was a hook. Was there? But it was an unintentional hook. Or it was a metaphor for me. Yeah. For being victimized. Right. By everything. It was, it was know, like I don't get no respect. Yeah. It was hyperbole. Right. But you know, the truth of the matter is, it's in the yearbook of quotations, but they still didn't write it properly. It, it was about me feeling of being a victim of any a person, place, or thing, and it wasn't. And that it was not, never my fault. <laughs> That, that's one where, like, you know when you hear street jokes and you're like, well, someone must have come up with that. Like, yeah. so, so someone had to be the first one to tell that joke and write it. It's almost the opposite with From Hell for me, where I just assumed, like, people got there on their own. I didn't realize Richard Lewis had to popularize it for us to be like, oh, this is this equates to the worst place we could go. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we'll always have that. And, yeah, of course, the... Uh, the the curb episode is him trying to get in the book of quote. Larry Larry's trying to get him in the book of uh, quotes, <laughs> get him credit, and everyone else is taking credit for it. <laughs> it's a great, what a great show! It really is. Yeah, this is. I apologize for mentioning uh, Larry David so much. This is supposed to be a tribute to Richard Lewis, but it's hard not to. They're they're two peas, the two of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but next we have him talking about his uh, first Carson. Uh, yeah, so late night was a bit as it was for a lot of guys in the seventies and eighties. But late night was a big um, factor in his life. Letterman was very good to him, uh, but he struggled with Carson, and he'll explain why. Yeah. I'm waiting behind it's Johnny Carson. I'm 24 years old, and and rest his soul, Paul uh, Papard, Jack Parr, Jack, uh, not no, no Papard, the, uh, oh George Papard, George Papard, right? Yeah, from the 18th. I'm on like the last six minutes of the show. It was on for 90 minutes. And he had lung cancer. So I'm back there crying. And he says, and he's talking about he has very few weeks to live. He has lung cancer. And then, and then Carson says, well, we, we'll wish you the best. And then he segued. And now for the first time on national television, <laughs> I went into the toilet in a way they had to, they had to get pl- Jewish plumbers to get me out of the toilet. <laughs> so then... Uh, that's hilarious, by the way, to have George Papard talking about lung cancer and then to bring a comedian on. <laughs> Maybe have a musical act that night, Johnny. <laughs> yeah, it plays like sad music or something. <laughs> um, but uh, so he he goes on, and I believe this is the same night because his first appearance is like an eight minute long set, which is a little longer than usual. And they they were pretty rigid at the Tonight Show. They were pretty strict um, in Johnny's day about you know being in and out on on time and the material that you're doing and all of that. Uh, so Richard uh, didn't necessarily obey those rules. So I was doing this division of motor vehicles routine that I had done for a decade. I couldn't wait to get it on to Carson. You know, and David Brennan once told me, and young comics should know this. He said, "You do one Tonight Show, one one talk show." Any of them. It's like doing a nightclub in Manhattan 
three times a night to a full house for a hundred years. So you better not walk through it. Yeah, you better take, take every out. six yeah. minutes seriously. And I always did. I treat every talk show like it's a Super Bowl. So I was doing my monologue, and I was killing him in Burbank, which is normally a pretty square audience. Yeah. So I see the stage manager go under the camera and go wrap it up. I go, wait a minute wrap it up if I wrap and I was thinking in my head if I wrap it up I'll never get the show again because I didn't finish half the monologue and if I and if I stay on it'll be the longest monologue in history which it was 11 minutes yeah. okay and then I said I'll never get the show again but if people say how come you're not on with Johnny I was too funny <laughs> I'd rather say I was too funny so as I walked back the state the guy who, the segment producer went you will never get the show again and I knew you know it wasn't my fault, but I, I knew I did the right thing. Carson saw me be great. So I go to the Palm, where I always used to go yeah. after tonight's shows, and there's Carson with his ex-lawyer, Bushkin, or right. it was Bushkin at the time. Right, yes. And I dart, I mean, what a, what a billion to one shot. We still had our makeup on from the show. Yeah. I dart over like Jack Ruby, and you know, Johnny gets to the ice, and I got on my knees like Al Jolson, <laughs> and I pled my case, and I told him what I just told you. I didn't want you to think that I didn't know what a monologue is. And I said, I'd rather not do your show and, and be professional than cut it off in half. So the next day I get a call from the rather, a nasty tempered producer and he went all right you're a lucky man you're back to business with johnny i know we say it all the time but dealing with carson he's a legend but jesus christ the guy <laughs> so temperamental you're gonna walk on eggshells with this fucking guy <laughs> he's god <laughs> but uh and that's again perfect Richard Lewis, where him being like neurotic and panicking and saying, well, if I don't do this my way, it's not going to be any good. And then freaking out enough that he has to go up to Johnny. And like that, that's the Richard Lewis that I know. That makes a lot of sense to me when I heard that story. Yes. <laughs> um, where are we going now? Uh, him with Costas talking about Letterman. Uh, oh, yeah. So like I said, Carson, and then I think he ended up doing a panel on Carson when he got his TV show. Um, but Letterman, he was on a lot. I, I know I saw, I believe his first appearance was in like 1982 or something like that. And I saw an interview with uh, Richard, he was on uh, Larry King in 88 or 89. And at that time, he said he had been on Letterman like 40 times already. Jesus. So he was on Letterman a lot. Um, and he talks about uh, his relationship with Dave. You, know, you were knocking around doing that kind of stuff and yeah. doing stand-up, and until Letterman came along and gave you the real forum, yeah, zilch. I did, did Diary, uh, I was a comic for eight or nine years, you know, but no no audience. Then Diary was sort of neat, nothing happened, and then Letterman in 82, and then I killed myself. I worked so hard for that show, and I got an audience finally, and now a couple of in-and-out primetime things, but now anything but love with Jamie Lee, That maybe that'll just be it for me, that I can really relax a little bit. Uh, so we'll talk about anything but love in a minute also. But uh, I find it interesting because, you know, the the comparison is always like Rogan uh, is modern day Carson for comedians in the sense that um, he's giving, you know, bringing guys on and giving them a giant platform. Correct. And, you know, you kind of trust his stamp of approval in some way. Um, but so Carson gets all the credit for that. But uh, Letterman... I almost think is a better comparison just because he would give opportunities to weirder guys. Right. Um, you know, Carson would have people on that were already on the path 
to success in some way. And he would kind of launch them. Um, but Letterman would have these weird guys. I like Chris Elliott was on all the time and Richard Lewis. And obviously eventually like Norm. Um, so he, uh, Letterman loved weirdos, which Richard Lewis is much more in that camp uh, than I think a lot of the people that were, were on Carson more often. I would love to see uh, Norm interact with Carson. <laughs> well, that's that was the thing is they said they told Norm is like you're more of a Jay comic. Like when Jay is on, we'll have you on. And uh, Norm is kind of like, wait, I don't know, what is he? What is he now? Like funny people? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Letterman's also the guy that told Richard Lewis. Um, he he made if he did stand up at all on Letterman it was once, and Letterman told him like you should be a panel guest which is actually like that's great for a comic because then they don't have to uh, waste their material on national television and have an opportunity to be more relatable. You're just having a conversation on the couch even though a lot of it is um, kind of uh, scripted or pre-interviewed. Yeah, because comics uh, comics now can get away with doing material at a show that they did on TV because you know like. Who knows how many people really watch it? Under a million. But like back then, there would be like 80 million people watching. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting because the the opposite of that, though, is that people weren't following comedy as closely. Now, if you're a fan of, you know, pick your comedian today, Tim Dillon. It's like, oh, I saw this stand-up clip, you asshole. You know, people like give him shit for doing material he's already done right. because they follow him so closely. Whereas back then, even though 80, you know, uh, 30 million people or 20 million people were watching The Tonight Show, that, that's still not most of the country. So there's a good chance people didn't see it. You know? Right, right, right. Um, are we talking about uh, anything but love now? Nope. Uh, this is Richard on with the... I don't know, a Metallica fan looking Howard Stern, <laughs> like Spike. Oh, that's right. You know what? I forgot. <laughs> I forgot that uh, Howard was a big part of uh, uh, Richard's career as well. He, you know, they, they did a lot of uh, uh, g- good promotion for Richard. Right. Um, I remember. Uh, <laughs> I remember stuttering John trying to interview Richard Lewis. And Richard was basically like, oh, fuck you. I'll talk to Howard if he wants to talk to me. I'm not going to talk to you. <laughs> and then the famous, for any of you uh, dabblers out there, the famous story is that um, Stuttering John, when he wrote for the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar roast, Richard Lewis was in the audience and John walked up to him after the show and was like, Richard, how did I do? Which is a weird thing to ask someone. <laughs> and uh, Richard just goes, uh, this is brilliant, John. It's all brilliant. And John has told everyone since that day over and over again, it's like Richard Lewis called me brilliant. (laughs) That's all it took. It wasn't bombarding the guy and making him compliment you. It wasn't him saying that just to get you the fuck away from him. Yeah, no, definitely not. (laughs) But yeah, anyways, Howard's uh, Howard's outfit in this is like unbelievable. (laughs) So this was, I assumed it was the channel nine show, but it was something called like Howard Stern interviews Mm -hmm. on E. Yeah, so I guess they have, which is interesting. I have not really heard of that before, but that's smart. I'm surprised they didn't do more of that or it wasn't longer running. I don't know how many, uh, I'll have to look into how many, you know, uh, episodes there were. But uh, anyways, this is uh, Howard interviewing Richard. And again, um, Richard's uh, mania, his energy does come off, I think, in this interview and many others at that time. 
You started to date. You said you're afraid of dating. And you started to date women. Mm -hmm. And you started to date very good-looking women. Because you yourself are not a great-looking guy. Whoever said I was. Yeah, but yet you started to get girls of model caliber. You know, I think, I think that you and are a, lot a closet of time, homosexual and that you want me. Why, that? Why, would, why would I be a closet <laughs> because homosexual? Because you are preoccupied. I'm a married man and I have three well, children. Big deal. There's a million couples in Hollywood. the way you handle your celebrity. I just think that you're preoccupied with my looks. That's all I you am, ever talk about. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a break these, here. These things are going to break. I'm going to take a break no, here. I'm going to have, have a serious discussion with you during the commercial. And if you allow me to interview you, then we will continue this interview. If not, I will throw you off the couch and interview you without you being here. <laughs> so, uh, first of all, Richard, very uh, prescient there. A lot of a lot of people say that now, based on a lot of the questions that Howard asks and his, you know, certain obsessions mm-hmm. with things. They think maybe he's been in the cause of this whole time, but Richard called it 30 years ago. <laughs> I mean, you could just tell by the way he looks. It's weird. This whole thing is weird. I don't like it. <laughs> but um, the reason I found this interview interesting is because like, you hear Howard kind of reprimanding him there, mm-hmm. but it is the whole time Richard is like manic. He's bouncing off the walls. And I think this is probably right before he got sober. I think this is 93. And I think he got sober in 94, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And he is like all over the place. And you would, even in those, I watched some of the old like Letterman interviews and Letterman kind of has to like reel him in. Like he's so energetic, which again, knowing him later in life, and he's also an older man. So that probably plays a part into it and sober. Um, But you don't think of him that way, but he was uh, bouncing off the fucking walls in these interviews. And uh, he said he got pissed at uh, Letterman once because they were giving him the pre-interview for anyone that doesn't know um, on all these late night shows, they'll a producer will basically call you and be like, all right, so what stories do you want Dave to ask you about? And that's why they're always like, so I hear you were, I mean, my favorite one that I quote all the time is uh, John Lovitz was on with Byron Allen. Byron Allen's the best. And Byron Allen says, uh, John, I hear you've been getting older. <laughs> so, so they did that with uh, Richard Lewis, and he's like, well, that, I don't really do that with Dave. We kind of just go. Like, I don't really want to do that. And they kind of like, kind you know, kind of forced him into it or felt he felt like he had to. And he's like, all right, if that's what Dave wants. And uh, then so he, he had a story about being in Hawaii, and Letterman goes, uh, Oh, so this is your Hawaii chunk and just sandbags. Him and throws him <laughs> this is your Hawaii chunk. And Richard was so paid, destroyed the fucking dressing room. He was furious. I mean, I probably would be too. I don't know about. Yeah. Just- well, well, to Letterman's credit, though, I guess the next time they interacted, he apologized. He was like, hey, I shouldn't have done that. You're a comic. You're coming on. I, sh- I, you know, my guys had you do that. I shouldn't have. Oh, why would you? Sandbag. You shouldn't apologize. That's fucking hilarious. It is hilarious. That's why I was kind of like, ah, Dave. But he was being nice to Richard. But yeah, because it's uh, funny. He's like, I don't want to do it. We don't ever do this. And he's like, No, you got to do it. Oh, is this your is this your Hawaii chunk? That's hilarious. Or just like, what the fuck? <laughs> but yeah, he was he was an interesting uh, talk show guest because he would kind of he would go into what seemed like a bit. And then just talk a, a million miles an hour. So you're like, I don't know. Is it, is it a bit? I have no idea what he's doing. <laughs> Again, very Robin Williams. Uh, but he's still on with Howard talking about David Brenner. Yeah, so David Brenner is another guy that was uh, great to him. And he tells a little bit about that. Evidently, you ran out of money, true? Because you went to David Brenner and you asked him for a loan. David Brenner was a successful comic. Yeah, and you went when to I was him. broke, I asked him for some money. Why so were you broke? You come job. from a wealthy family. 
Do you not? No, Chris, I don't want to ask my. I, 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 you have to be on your own after a while. You didn't want to ask your parents for money? No, they sent me to college. I was funny. And after college, you felt, hey, I can't ask my parents for money. So you asked David Brenner for to. money? A perfect have. stranger, you asked David Brenner for money. What's the perfect stranger? He was a best friend. How did you ask you David Brenner? You do research, do research. You went to David Brenner and said, listen, <laughs> I'm going to get out of the business? No, no. I said, he said, I, said I want to be a comic full time. I want to quit these day gigs. Right. He said, what do you need? I said, I, if you gave me a thousand bucks, I think I could probably quit my jobs. And he gave me a thousand bucks. That is unbelievable. And back then, it was unbelievable. That's a lot of money. A thousand to get bucks so back then it was like asking for tennis. Yeah, because why yeah. should he care whether you keep your career or because not? Because you want to know the word? Right. Just read my lips. Friendship. Right. It's a hard word to... That, I would not lend you $1,000. And believe me, I wouldn't ask you for a dime. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, you realize, like, when Howard has, like, Richard Lewis on or Larry or Seinfeld, you realize how much, like, Howard is one of those guys. Like, he's a funny, neurotic guy. I feel like he didn't play to that. I mean, at times, of course, he did. But his persona was so, you know, the alpha Mm-hmm. And like you know, needing everyone's love and everything, and he didn't always play into that kind of neurotic uh, banter. Right. But when he's with guys like that, he is very funny. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, mm. So yeah, David Brenner. They, we will do a David Brenner episode at some point because I feel like a lot of comedians were influenced by him in one way or the other. By the way, this just popped in my head when I was listening to Richard Lewis. I, I swear this is David Brenner. I could be wrong. So this is good. Uh, this will help the algorithm. Let me know in the YouTube comments if I have this person right. Um, I believe it's David Brenner that Norm MacDonald mentions him and says uh, looking down, he's looking down from heaven or probably looking up, being raped by the devil. I mean, that dude had some sins, man. <laughs> Didn't he say that to Larry King? I, I think he was talking about David Brenner, but I could be wrong. It could be someone else. So let me know in the comments if I have that one right. <laughs> He's the best. I, I know not, that's not an accusation of David Brenner. I know nothing about the man. We'll, uh, I'll look into him more when uh, we do his episode at some point, but that's just a normal quote that I always love that I think <laughs> involves David Brenner. It'd be great if it doesn't. You're like, I know. I'm just <laughs> throwing him under the bus. It just fits in this show very well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, now we're at anything but love. Yeah. So this was like the, I guess you would say the, the, the pinnacle of Richard's early career. This is the closest he found to an avenue of success outside of standup um, where he's in the show with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis called anything but love. And I'll tell you a little more about it after uh, we hear from Richard. And they laugh. I thought Jamie Lee Curtis would have commuted to Rome. <laughs> that was a big break for me. Oh my That's God. What- of course it was. I used to sit at home and watch like Roseanne because it was on before. Right. And I said, God, 40 million people just saw my promo. That's that's what it is. Exactly. And then, and then, well, and that and was then, on for a few Kurt, years. Four years. We got screwed out of a fifth. We got picked up. So you just missed syndication. Yeah, and we got picked up for another 22, and the head of Fox told NBC, I don't want to do it anymore. Imagine you're, that. You're no, kidding me. I swear to God, it's a long story. What is that? Oh, my God. It's a long story, but it was... We, and, I, and they didn't tell Jamie and I. We show up for our, our rehearsal. No. And they're breaking down our set for a pilot. You're kidding I me. I swear to God, it was a nightmare. What? Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> That's we, the craziest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, it was all over the papers. First time a, a network never said, went out and got drunk to the palm and drank and said, hey, we got 20, Right, right, years. right. I don't want to get into why, but it was a joke. But you- Unfortunately, I wish he told Artie there because I could, all I could find is that it was canceled basically for low rating or, you know, not good enough ratings. Um, so I'm curious. There were, um, they both had, I found interviews with both Jamie Lee Curtis and uh, Richard Lewis 
Um, Jamie Lee, you know, that's a big, that's a big deal. I, I don't think she was fully Jamie Lee Curtis at that time, but like that, that's a big uh, get for television at that time. I feel like definitely. Um, but yeah, it was only on, it was on four seasons, but it only had 56 episodes. So saying it was just shy of syndication isn't quite true because usually the standard for that is a hundred episodes. Right. Or in the ballpark. Yeah. But I mean, it was on for four seasons and it is crazy back then that it's like, wow, 40 million people were watching Roseanne. If you know, three fourths tune out, you still have 10 million people, you know, like that, that many could accidentally leave their TVs on and see Richard Lewis. Your rating should accidentally be pretty damn good. Well, for now, they'd be for this time, they'd be tremendous. It'd be but, the best, biggest show on television. Yeah. So, uh, that, well, that's what I was saying is um, there were rumors of them having like problems, but in every interview, Richard Lewis would just say, No, I love Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, he said he loved her husband, Christopher Guest. He did tell one story that um, she brought her young daughter to set one day and they had a makeout scene. <laughs> And he's like, well, this is pretty weird. <laughs> like he felt uncomfortable with that, but I couldn't find anything specific. If they, they, you know, it was just tabloid rumors. It seemed like that they had a um, some sort of a beef. But uh, I think it, it, they, they were basically, uh, obviously, romantic interests. Richard Lewis and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, and for you kids out there, by the way, uh, Google Jamie Lee Curtis is topless in a movie. Oh, so nice. Give that a Google. That's a, that's our little bonus for you kids at home today. You know, <laughs> I, I highly recommend. <laughs> it's research purposes. So if anyone's asking, yeah, yeah, it's an honor of Richard Lewis. So <laughs> don't feel guilty. Shout out Richard Lewis. <laughs> um, yeah. So anything but love, like you know, fifty six episodes. Certainly not a um, uh, not not a, not a staple. Not not something you're gonna hear in the history of television necessarily. But what. Lot, like I said, a lot of people were watching that at the time. So yeah, Richard Lewis had a lot of eyeballs on him. Um, he also tried to show years later, I think around 93, 94, around when he got sober, called Daddy Dearest. And that was starring him and Don Rickles. Again, a great pairing. This guy draws great with his with his, uh, with his friends. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Don Rickles was playing Richard Lewis's father. Um, and the premise seemed good to me, like the idea. So the, the basic premise was, um, Richard Lewis, uh, Don Rickles gets divorced from Richard Lewis's mother and has to move in with Richard. So it's basically just them roasting each other and (laughs) for half an hour, that's essentially seems like the perfect role for Don Rickles. Um, I don't know how the execution was. Uh, I saw, some of it, there's episodes on like YouTube. Um, it didn't wow me, but it's also, you know, a 1993 sitcom. So maybe it shouldn't necessarily. Uh, Whoa. <laughs> but I do think with stuff like that, I feel like the name might have really fucked them. Yeah. Dear Daddy Dearest, you don't think it's a hilarious comedy with Don Rickles and Richard Lewis? No. No. I wouldn't anyways. So I feel like sometimes the name just fucks you. Where you're like, ah, I don't know what the hell that daddy dearest. I'm not watching that. That sounds like a show about a, a daughter father relationship. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. But that one was only on 11 episodes. So uh, again, it seems like a surefire success, but no luck there. Nope. Um, next we got, I'm talking about losing money. 
Oh yeah. So this was sad. I, I this I had uh, never heard before. Um, but this kind of goes hand in hand with his addiction and uh, what he was dealing with that time when he was kind of at the peak of his success. You know, I, that was back. I wasn't sober then, but I only had. How'd one. you do this drunk? I didn't do it drunk. Oh, okay. that, that's the. Uh, that's a. That, that's not fair to say. I wasn't stumbling around like Bluebeard the pirate. I mean, <laughs> I had. I had. You know, I did. You know, sixty Letterman's. You know, I might have been. I had a, one too many wines on occasion, but I was. That was like okay. Super Bowl for I me. I apologize. Anything that's... but love. Four and a half years. I was sober when we shot, and ten years of curb your enthusiasm, and now I'm doing a show. Well, I'm sober now, but I, and I was sober during curb. But no, no. I when I was off, my life was on. Manageable, but I took my work seriously. But 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 to be truthful, in in one of the peaks of my career, I was so out of control with drugs that I stopped stand up for three years, and I mm-hmm. lost a tremendous amount of income because it was at a peak of my career at that point, and I was a sucker for people calling me up because so they would say, I'm going to be homeless if you don't give me 10 grand, blah, oh, blah, blah. I gave away hundreds of thousands of dollars when I, you know, when I could piss away that kind of huge amount of money, but when you give away money like that, it's kiss it goodbye, you know. Yeah, so that was uh, sad to hear, especially for a guy that, like I said, his income was stand-up. Like, that's how he made his money. He was constantly working and stand-up. And everything. So to take three years off, uh, that's pretty That's pretty tough. And it's a shame that we, the same uh, that we talked about with Red Fox, where a lot of the, these guys, when they have success, they want to be generous with it. And that just opens them up to being, you know, taken advantage of. So uh, unfortunate to hear that, but it seems like everything's okay with Richard now. Uh, I saw he did like a tour of his house and things. Seems like the guy's living all right. So (laughs) I won't won't cry too much for Richard. He's probably doing quite well. But but again, he toured all the way. I think in that Kimmel appearance we played, that was like 2017, 2018, I want to say. And he's promoting dates on there. Yeah, Richard Lewis will be in you know Vegas and fucking like he's still out touring. So, well, not anymore. But as of, you know, five years ago, I'd say. Uh, he was working all the way through. And I think in that um, where he announces he has Parkinson's, uh, I believe he said that he shot this latest season of Curb that isn't out yet. So I think he is in it. Uh, so they probably make fun of his Parkinson's. I don't know. No, because when they had shot it, I don't uh, yeah, I don't think he'd announced it yet. So Also, know. all the hilarious Parkinson's jokes were in the Michael J. Fox episode. I know. It's, you can't do it twice. It's tough to duplicate. <laughs> like when he, when he gives Larry, soda? Yeah, when he gives him the soda and it explodes, it was the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. Is that Parkinson's? <laughs> um, also, yes, for those of you wondering, that was uh, the disgraced Pat O'Brien that was interviewing him there, who uh, was was... Uh, essentially canceled for leaving naughty voicemails. So I think he liked to be pissed on or something. I don't know. <laughs> Who knew this would be such a sexy episode talking yeah. about Richard Lewis. Yeah. Um, next, uh, this is our last clip that YouTube will probably allow us to show. Okay. So noted, uh, but it's, I'm in pain. Um, oh yeah. So this is, this was um, his special, his first special. And you know, Artie Lang's a guy I, I respect and, you know, maybe uh, maybe you could say Artie goes over the top with this compliment, but Artie's never been a guy to, to bullshit you. I've heard him with, you know, respected people on Howard or on his own show where Artie will have no problem busting the guy's balls. So I feel like this does mean something um, coming from him. 
special. Your first stand-up special, I feel. I'm in pain. Is the best stand-up special of all time. Wow. I, I, I honestly, and I'm not, I, my hand to God, I'm not saying that because you're here. When I'm at the cl comedy clubs talking to comedians, we talk about it all the time. I think it's better than that Richard Pryor live in concert. I think it's better. And that's as great as it gets. I, that's the reason I became a comedian. Well, well, what can I tell you? I mean, that is... I, I <laughs> if I said that very same thing at a party last night. <laughs> you were just saying No, that? no, I was... It was my... You know, because I had paid my dues and I had like eight years of stuff pouring out of me. Right. So and it was I, just all brilliant. just like perfect. Well, no, I got good... You know, it, 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 it got me going. Yeah. That and Letterman, yeah. Yeah, so I I had never heard that sort of... I've heard that, like, Richard Lewis is an underrated stand-up and was very big at that time, things like that. I don't know that I'd heard anyone say this is my favorite special of all time. So that, that really stuck out to me when Artie said that. Yeah, he doesn't say that very often or right. about, like, anything. And that, and that's what I'm saying. Like, coming from someone else, I'd be like, ah, oh, he's just kissing his ass. But Artie doesn't strike me as that type of guy. So I was like, holy shit. Yeah, definitely. Um, now, I will say, like... To me, so I watched it. Uh, you can go watch it. It's on YouTube in full. Um, and I was going to pull clips from it. For me, I didn't love Richard's stand-up necessarily. Uh, again, seeing so much of his personality in Curb, uh, I didn't feel it was a, a great representation. I feel like he comes off better. Um, it, it feels like more of an act on stage, which obviously it is. But uh, it felt to me like a... a lesser like Gary Shandling or something like that. Um, so, and again, I hate judging stuff from 40 years ago because it wasn't, it was never supposed to be judged 40 years from then. Um, but for me, I didn't love it. I'll be curious to hear what you guys think in the comments, if I'm uh, underrating Richard Lewis, but it felt very, a lot of it felt very of the time. Like guys like Paul Reiser and Gary Shandling were doing stuff that was comparable. And I think like Gary, I like Gary Shandling stuff more than I've seen. So, uh, but what I do love Richard Lewis in is a thing that, uh, YouTube probably won't let us play. So before you leave us, you know, subscribe and then go to the Patreon where we can show all these videos. Um, if you want to see these uh, videos in full blindmike.net, check out the Patreon. But, uh, I felt like we had to end with some of my favorite clips from curb now, a lot of these also obviously highlight Larry David. I think Larry David has the best lines in them. But I was trying to think, it's tough to rank. Because I love Funkhauser. I think the uh, Larry-Ted Danson dynamic is very funny. I think Leon was a great character. Um, but I've, the Richard Lewis-Larry David relationship is like so perfect to me. And it represents I think so many friendships that just guys have where literally I, I uh, moved in with my buddy Brian when I moved out here um, the first place I lived in uh, Eastern Mass and um, we were roommates together and we he said because we would we would constantly like you know we would be at odds we would bicker and things like that and he said this would be like Larry David and Richard Lewis moving in together and by the time we moved out, we weren't speaking to each other. <laughs> and now we're friends again. But it's like, <laughs> I think it is representative of so many friendships, the uh, Richard Lewis, Larry David relationship. So uh, these are some of the clips that I just love from that. Oh, God, I hate doing this because, you know, you always, you always take it the wrong way. You've taken everything the wrong way ever since I've known you. Seven years ago, I was in Paris, and I remember... Put, it, by, by the way, I, I want to put this scene in perspective. 
That was apropos of nothing. Richard just presents that he wants to ask him something. And then is like, I hate doing this with you. <laughs> it's like already, they haven't even started talking yet. <laughs> All right. You stole my uh, outgoing message on my answering machine. What are you crazy? How long? I mean, this is, uh, this, what are you nuts? I know you're ethical. Huh? I'm ethical. We don't, you know, when people steal jokes, we fucking hate that. But I hate when people fucking steal my outgoing messages. <laughs> you, I remember calling you. You don't even know what you're talking about. You are you so You have my same answering machine outgoing message and it that's, bugs that's me. That's my message. I you didn't get that message. You wrote it in Paris. You wrote it in Paris. I had that message seven years ago. Bullshit. Seven years you ago. Know what? I, was, I wrote no. it seven and a half years ago. Who's that man you could have trust, okay? An ex-alcoholics or a person who was lucid 24 hours a day his whole life. Do me a favor. Who's my, what? Please change it. What? Because it's really bothering It's not... I want you to change that because people call me and they call you and they go, Oh, Larry David has the same thing. It's not fucking Larry David. It's mine. I mean, I, I don't have a wife. I don't have, I, you know, my parents are dead. Uh, you, you have a family. Uh, Come on. Change it. Uh, can you... Come on. Oh, he doesn't have a wife and his parents are dead. That's right. I need, I hold on to these things. Maybe. have a wife and his parents are dead. Oh. Do me a favor and change it for me. Yeah, I'll change it because you don't have a wife and your, your parents. It's funny. You lost your parents. They're I'm laughing. Dead. You know what? Because you're funny. And they would have been 95, but they're dead. I'm laughing, it's but if you don't shame. change it. It's a shame. It's a shame. All right, are you done? Yeah, I'm you done. Playing? I didn't steal your message, asshole. I didn't take it. You took it from me. But you know what? I'll be the man. I'll be the man. <laughs> I love, that's one of my favorite, uh, just like mocking interactions from Larry. With, oh, oh, your parents are dead. Oh, he doesn't have a wife and his parents are dead. I think about that all the fucking time. I love that so much. And it is, again, it's a thing like, uh, that only it's very uh, representative male relationships where it's only like a true friend that you can openly be like, Oh, your parents are dead. Ooh. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, the other thing you saw a little bit of it there. And I think you see it in one of our other clips, but there's certain guys that when they were on the show uh, would get Larry to break. And I love that they didn't cut it out. Cause I feel it is cause curb is, you know, mostly improv and everything. I do think it, it's, I like that they leave it in because I think it's how people speak. Right. Where like they're arguing there, but Richard made him laugh a little bit. <laughs> like when, when he's mocking him and Richard just goes, uh, can you do me a favor? Like sees You can tell how serious he is. <laughs> and Larry starts breaking a little bit. Like that is how people talk where it's like, yeah, I'm arguing with you, but you're making me laugh still. Yeah. And, same. and it was like Seinfeld could do that with him. Uh, Richard Lewis. I'm trying to think. There weren't a lot of guys where Larry would break like that, but Richard was definitely Richard. One. Richard did the same thing. He's like, I'm. He even pointed it out. He's like, I'm laughing, but like, uh, yeah, they're enjoying each other. <laughs> <laughs> uh, should we go to the next one here? Yeah, what's this one? They're, none of them are labeled. It's just fun. Oh, okay. Just, all right. Just good, in, good fun. Good fun stuff. Larry, will you fix this, please? I don't know how to do this. I look. Hey, I tried every remote, and then none of them work. Look. So, so, so fucking idiotic. To have. You should have one goddamn remote. And I know we should. You should have one remote. You need to call him, Larry. Are you going to call him? Well, maybe we should play Scrabble. Nothing that, we that, can that's do. That's a bad joke, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is a joke. I mean, I don't... Scrabble? 
It's a joke. What are we supposed to do? Gonna, you want to sit just, shiver? Why don't we just play <laughs> Twister? Would you be happy? If this was your show, then you would you would make every fucking plan to go watch. upstairs and I'll get under the covers and sob. <laughs> why don't we just go to my house and watch it, for Christ's sake? What's wrong with I'll that? I'll go to your house. Jesus Christ. I knew you fucked it yeah, up. Right, I, I fucked, fucked it up. What are you, what are you what kind of stupid thing is that to say? I fucked it up. You fucked it up. You don't know how to use a goddamn cell phone. It was a cell shit phone. cell phone. Okay, okay, Pray Mantis can use that goddamn phone. <laughs> Cracked him again. <laughs> while so, if you haven't seen that episode of Curb, it, this is while uh, Richard's girlfriend is like falling ill. <laughs> She's not well, <laughs> and they're just arguing about the fucking clicker because Richard wants to watch his uh, the debut of his special. <laughs> but <laughs> of course, you. But uh, that's another one that I quote all the time. You can probably find where I've tweeted it multiple times. Right, let's all get under the covers and sob. <laughs> it's a great, like, well, then let's just give up then. What do you want from me? <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> so, well, then let's go. And I like that he the description, like, well, then let's go upstairs and get under the covers and sob. <laughs> uh, all right. We got one more curb clip, right? Yeah, this is our last one here. Hey guys, I, I'm so hey hey man. Good to see you. Long time. The, by the way, this is the from the Bear Midriff, which is one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> oh yeah, and this is <laughs> this is this is just a great like this is how people feel so often, and which is what Curb is. Yeah, it's like how people feel inside all the time. Yes, and it's just never acted out like this. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, what do you, what do you like right to here. do? I don't know what you do. Yeah. 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 We we ordered. We couldn't wait. I can yeah. see, but I, I'm, can I? You know, I want to eat something. I'm I'm famished, so uh, you know, can I? You know, I'm starved. Oh, move over. I'm starved. Right. You should. You know, what? No, you. You should. What's going on? Can just can, can I sit down? Come on, scooch over. Uh, how many years you guys? You know this guy. We're, we're, we're close friends. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know I'm longer, so we should sit over there because I'm actually going to be talking to him more than you. So I should have eye contact with him as opposed to turning around and straining my neck. And, you know, I'm a lefty. I can't. Yeah, but it'll be on your right. It works to your advantage. Look, the only reason you want me to slide over is because you want the luxury suite. Of course I want the luxury yeah. suite. You want the luxury suite, too. Yes, I do. You're right. Yeah, all right. I do. Yeah. But you... Hey. Oh, my God. <laughs> what the hell? Can I with you? <laughs> and that like in these clips Richard is so perfect because again I don't think he's acting like that's just his relationship with Larry yeah. where he has no problem just being like fuck you what are you doing to me <laughs> I think I think that season of Curb was the funniest Seinfeld's ever been um, the fun, you mean Jerry? Seinfeld? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was thinking like the show Seinfeld. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Just Jerry um, as a whole. He'll J- Jerry is great on Curb, and this is again where I know we did the episode. Is Jerry Seinfeld funny? But I was strictly talking about his stand-up uh, because when you see him in moments like that, yeah, he's he's very funny. He's great in uh, in Curb. <laughs> Just the way he like half mouths for him to move just kills me. He's like, you yeah. move. <laughs> <laughs> and that's another another like when they're trying to uh, fire the woman with the bare midriff, um, <laughs> the argument that they have where he's trying to compliment Larry <laughs> by saying what an asshole he is to get him to do it is brilliant. <sighs> this felt like this felt like a, was this a short one? This flew by, uh, but just in about an hour. 
Oh, all right. Well, yeah. I hope I, I hope I, it, it felt very fast. So I hope I did right by Richard Lewis. I know there was a lot of curb talk, but I feel, I do feel like that is a big um, part of his, both his career and his personality. If anyone says they know him from his stand up over curb, they're just being a hipster. A little bit. Yeah. Well, no, but here's the thing though. And this is mainly what I wanted to say about Richard Lewis. I think if you're from that time, much like, Kirk said with Dennis Miller, I bet there weren't necessarily a lot of kids at that time that were like, Oh, Dennis Miller is my favorite comedian, but there were some. Yep. And there were some kids that were like, Oh my God, Richard Lewis is my favorite comedian. You know what I mean? And now (laughs) you have people with, uh, with podcasting and social media, you have people that build up an audience. So like you might not know the name, you know, Colin Terrell or uh, Jordan Jensen, who I think is very funny. Like they're very young and it's very early in their careers, but they're able to, you know, sell out some shows because they were able to build an audience through podcast appearances, you know, learning their own personalities from their own podcasts and just seeing them on social media. So like, even when you're early in your career, if you're, if you're talented, you have much more of a way to find that audience that guys like Richard Lewis, Dennis Miller, Gary Shandling, these people didn't have unless they were on television. So right. that's one good thing about the, uh, about the internet. Random, uh, internet dub. Finally, <laughs> finally found one. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, so yeah, let me know what you guys think, uh, uh, Richard Lewis. I hope I, I hope it did, did you, uh, did you justice because, uh, he's one of the greatest curb characters ever and, uh, just a very funny guy. Um, and, uh, if you like this episode and you want to support the show, then make sure you go to blindmike.net. You can find all our links there for Why You Laughing, The Blind Mike Project, Who Are These Socials, Thursdays at 6 with Carl, my pal. Um, so uh, make sure you check that out if you want to support the show for free. Subscribe on YouTube. And if you decide, hey, I like what these guys are doing, <laughs> uh, then make sure you join the Patreon because you get bonus episodes. You get these episodes a week early as well as uh, the other zany stuff that we do. Um, and uh, go to verygoodshow.org if you want to check out Craig, if you're a fan of shock jockery <laughs> it sounds like they're diving into the world of conspiracies every you know, once in a while we dip our toe in see where it goes uh, these guys are edgelords, <laughs> so if you like the sound of that, uh, go to verygoodshow.org and check out Craig if, uh, if you like the free podcast then support his Patreon yeah, thank you and we'll talk to you guys next time on Why Are You Laughing? 